0: Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center You really only need SeatGeek
3: to start listening.
0: Welcome to Courtside Conversation. I'm your girl, Allie Love. After years on the hardwood as the in-arena host for the Brooklyn Nets, it's time for me to take it courtside. We're here with artists, athletes, and all of our favorite people to break down the game called life. We're getting real about the grow up and the glow up. So let's take a seat. Today's guest is a sports journalist, commentator, and incredible host in his own right. He's the founder of a multimedia company, Inflection Point Entertainment, and truly has done and seen it all in the sports world. From the sidelines, on ESPN, to the podcast space, he is incredible. Let's go ahead. Without further ado, and take it courtside with a conversation with Michael Smith. Oh my gosh, everybody, this is happening. I've been waiting for this moment. It's my brother from another mother. I'm taking that from you. Michael Smith, um, sports journalist. Obviously, many of you will know him from ESPN as a commentator and host. Uh, currently the co-host of NBC Sports Peacock Show, brother from another. And he is my brother. We <laughs> hadn't met in ages. We knew of each other, fans of each yeah. other met um, at a course at Harvard, and of course, fast friends, fast family. So Michael Smith, thank you so much for spending time with me.
4: Uh, it is it is absolutely my pleasure, Allie. And I mean that in more ways than one. Um, I still can't thank you enough for saying hello to my wife. Let me tell you something. Sarah. Allie, you, gotta understand. you have to understand, see that right there, that's gonna give me cool points. So I have taken my wife to the White House twice to meet President and Mrs. Obama, okay? My wife has been to Mexico with Michael Jordan and me, not just <laughs> Michael Jordan by herself, but me too. But I, for the first time in 20 years, I am a big deal because I know Allie love. So thank you. You've, uh, oh. you've helped me in my own, in my own marriage.
0: That makes me feel so good um, as we take this conversation, courtside for the courtside <laughs> conversation. I feel like, the first note I did make in my run of show was to say hi to Sarah. I really did. I'm not lying because it was an honor to meet her. And the reason I think that's important to highlight is Black love is important to highlight. You know, growing Mm -hmm. up in a family where my mom is one of 10 kids, seeing marriages that last or seeing love and commitment that last and seeing families that stick together are really important. And so when we met, obviously it was like one of those moments where it's like, this had to happen at some point, and it's happening now, and we're both happy about it. And the fact that you were just like, let me call my wife, because she's in on this too, that really did speak to my heart and just like the community, how we're all a part of this, and we're all I a part of it together. That. So Oh, I, I appreciate
4: that. you starting off deep. You about to get me uh Getting emotional up in here talking about black love. Let's go.
0: Yes, (laughs) of course. Um, Before we get into it, you know, the game is always played in the mind before it's played on the pitch, the field, the court. And so what we did is we're going to take it to the court this time, four quarters, and we have a little halftime fun. So let's kick it off as the game starts with uh, the first quarter. Let's throw it back to where you started. I think it's so important as humans. I didn't know growing up what my opportunity sets were. I didn't know what was available to me and I had to just figure it out by watching people like you on TV and saying like, wow, mm. what he does is amazing. Could I do that? What is that called? Uh, growing up, did you always know that hosting or conversation or having a point of view, a public point of view, was always going to be uh, your roadmap, let alone was an option for you? How did it start?
4: Uh, excellent question. Not surprising. Um... Like most things, I mean, it started with seeing somebody who looked and sounded like me, um, on television. I got to give a shout out to my, my late brother from another Stuart Scott. Uh, I came up in, a, in an era, uh, you know, in the nineties, um, seeing Stuart Scott on national television and not just seeing a black face, but seeing blackness on television, seeing unapologetic blackness on television. Um, that was huge for me. Um, so right around high school, I would say, is when I realized, hey, this, this journalism thing, this mass communications thing, uh, it could be a career for me. And I had teachers, uh, I went to McDonald 35 Senior High School in New Orleans. Shout out to the Ron Eagles class in 1997. Uh, I had teachers that poured into me. It was an all black high school that the most of my family attended. So a lot of tradition there, a lot of history there, um, you know, a lot of legacy there. Mm. Um, and, I had a lot of teachers that poured into me and invested in me and thought I had potential uh, and believed in me and and nurtured me. And so I would say it was around high school, but even before that, I looking back on it, I mean, you know, I'm I'm the grandson of a of a Baptist preacher. Uh, you know, one of my uncles is a Baptist preacher. Um, you know, grew up in the church. I was a president of the young men's usher board yes. <laughs> at one point in church. And so preaching has kind of been in my, is in my, is in my bloodline. And so, um, I guess the public speaking aspect, um, was always there. Uh, the outspokenness, the opinionated, uh, part of it was always there. But then from a professional standpoint, seeing people like Stuart Scott, um, it was funny. I, I, I went into print journalism when I got into college. Mm. So I, I really didn't work toward being a broadcaster. It kind of happened organically. and. uh you know, once I got there, I looked back and even in my, I found an article recently as a matter of fact from a, you know a, a, the local paper, the Times picking Union in New Orleans did, a, did an article on me as like a local scholar and it was like, what do you want to be? And crazy enough, it says sports Center anchor. And I didn't realize that
2: wow. until
4: I became that. but in the, but in the interim, I did not work toward that. That was not a goal. but again, seeing that representation on screen kind of planted that seed. And now that's basically what I'm trying to be, uh, is somebody that people can look to and not just aspire to be like, but be better than.
0: Well, I don't want to say you're trying, you're doing that. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you said that's something that you written down a while ago and and look at you now, like it's come to fruition in many, in more ways than one, in a sense. And so it's almost like that subconscious North Star, like it, sometimes, yeah. and maybe not in your case, but some of us that are listening, maybe you know something deep in your gut and you maybe you'll whisper it to a loved one or to your mom. Like I remember mis- whispering someone that, something that I, I won't share here, but I remember, Whispering um, something to my mom that I really wanted as a little kid, but I wouldn't tell anyone because I was like, what if it never happens for me? So it's like that, that subconscious or deep conscious um want, desire
5: mm.
0: that's almost a bit scary because, like you said, for me growing up, again, brother from another mother, my grandfather was, God rest his soul. A pastor, had a church, many years. So you grew up in the church, you're serving, yeah. you're, do- you're passing the collection plate, you're co- co- right. you're doing communion, like all the things, right? Baked sales. And so, yes. Ma-
4: Martin Luther sales. King fans. You
0: know? <laughs> oh my God. And our churches never had AC. That is another, that's what I don't know. Oh, uh, you said so that, fans. That, I'm like, that, where are
4: the that fans? That building and fund did not go to the AC, huh?
0: It, <laughs> it did not go to the AC. We didn't even, I would say it didn't go to the AC because we had fans and it didn't go for new Bibles because the Bible's always was missing the front part. Of it. But, anyways, Vacation
4: Bible School is like, where are the Bibles? Where are the fresh new Bibles?
0: Yes. Nope. Didn't have that. But the word was there. So that's all we needed. There you go. Um, But, you know, one of the things that you say is like all of these tools, while they were in isolation of speaking, was a part of that. You know, you had seen it represented in the church, Mm -hmm. or you saw someone like you on TV that seemed, wow, that seems cool. I would love to if I could. Um, You said something that I think really is going to drive this, you know, as we, as we think about the shaping of our youth, is that people believed in you and they poured into you. Yeah. I'd love to dig a little deeper in that. And the reason is Please. because we forget about the, the assists. We forget about those that have really, you know, like I said, hand up. You see what I?
4: Did? <laughs> I see what you did there. Okay. okay. That was, that was you know, real clever. There
0: we go. Oh, <laughs> you um, might we,
4: have a future in this.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope so. I mean, you've done this before, so I, I'm hoping that you see it in me. But oh, you I'm have joking, those people that.
4: There. Yeah.
0: No, you have those people that pour into you, and you have those people that are truly that have been the assist in your life. I would yeah. love uh, if you could share a moment or a person, or, you know, give a shout out of. Ooh how was one of those assists how did it shape your next step whether that was to college right in louisiana wh- whether that was into the professional world but what did that look like in in in, a, in the formative years for you
4: ooh we could be here all day with just shouting out the assists i guess is what hall of famers feel like when they got to like give a speech and they got to thank all their teammates and all their coaches uh you know everybody that helped them along the way that that's me i mean i'm definitely the product of that village you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, going back to let's go back to church so as the pastor's grandchild, uh, everybody had eyes on me. Uh, you know, I had to sit on the front row. Uh, everybody had license to check me if I was getting out of pocket. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, if I was spending a little too much time in the fellowship hall, goofing off, you know, uh, held to a certain standard, you know, we you know what that's like. So whether it was, uh, associate ministers, whether it was the, you know, uh, junior women's missionary auxiliary board, <laughs> any, anybody you could think of at the church. Uh, you know, I had a lot of aunts and uncles, um, that either to encourage me, uh, that checked me, that looked out for me. Uh, and the same went to, you know, my school community. Um, you know, whether it's my teachers, my principals, uh, W.D. Harris comes to mind as somebody who really was the person that, to spark that journalism flame in me. Mm. Uh, when I was in high school, he was a mentor of mine. Um, You know, I think about even some of my friends' parents going back to that village. You know, recently a friend of mine, uh name is Kristen, Kristen Jackson. I still call her Kristen Leggins. That's how long I've known her. Her mother recently passed away. And I, I was talking to her and, uh, and and uh trying to offer words of comfort as, as best I could about Miss Leggins, Mama Faye. Mama mm-hmm. Faye picked me up and brought me to school, you know, from New Orleans East, you know, uh to McDonald 35 across town, you know. People that just little, little things like that, you know, just get me to school on time every day when when my mom or my my stepdad or my dad before that couldn't. Um but then in my household, you know, my mom, my dad, uh my stepdad, you know, my uncles, um again my grandparents I lived with my grandparents for a long time. Uh, and then once I got to be a professional, I remember going to, you know, the National Association of Black Journalists Convention in Phoenix. This is while I was in college and, uh, A. Shirai Blakely read my, my newspaper clips and was like, dude, you know, you got it. You know, um, when I went to the Boston Globe, my now co-host on Brother from Another, as you mentioned, thank mm-hmm. you for the shout out, Michael Holly.
5: Mm-hmm. He
4: was my mentor before he became my, my brother and a groomsman at my wedding. And the godfather to my first child, so on and so forth. So he poured into me. Um, and, I mean, and it's continued. You know, again, I, I, I did not get here by myself. So you're you're spot on. You're right on target. We talk about that assist, and even just bringing our conversation full circle. You know, I'm able to do what I do, and part of the reason why you know Sarah was top of mind. I have been able to do what I've done and I'm able to do what I do because of Sarah, because of my kids, because of the support mm-hmm. uh and the encouragement that they give me every day. So at the risk of rambling, I'm going to stop right there. But, <laughs> no, I <laughs> love I can this. Keep going.
0: <laughs> because you know what it is is that they always give credits at the end of the movie, right? You always give um give the acknowledgments at the end of the book and sometimes it's a story the story has to the acknowledgements needs to be and the assist needs to be woven into the story. I yes, find that so a little right. bit more effective. But one of the things that especially that kind of co-
4: if I, if, I, if I may just quickly interject, yeah, especially, of course, especially especially when you're not at your peak, when you're not at the top, when you when 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 you're going through it to get to it, those mm-hmm. people that are with you, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's colleagues. Those, you know, it's like a great time to recognize them then versus on the back end when you've already gotten to the other side of whatever it is you're going through. You know, like I've been in something of a transition period for a few years. I, I like to call it another, another opportunity to reinvent myself um, and starting with my family, um, you know, my close friends, my inner circle. It's like I'm not able just to sustain day to day. If not for them. So you're right. Instead of doing it on the back end is like, Hey, I'm here. I made it. I want to shout out all the people. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, yeah. like, Hey, before I make it, thank you for helping me just to get to this point. You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Give them their flowers now as opposed to, you know, when I'm receiving mine from the masses, it's like, nah, these are the people who helped me get here. Let I mean, let you know. Let me let you know what's up right now.
0: Absolutely. Um, Thinking of, and something you had said earlier in your response, in this kind of concept of being poured into and having the mm-hmm. village and, and again, giving those the flowers, was there ever a moment where you just felt like, you know, before even like getting on mass TV, mm-hmm. before having a great platform, or is there a moment where you, you may be filled up, you may feel like, you know, I could, you know, the ball's in my hand and I'm in the court, I'm in the arena, I'm here but should I? Was there a moment where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it. Like you second guessed your ability or what was, what was there or what was from what was next?
4: I wouldn't say I second guessed myself. Um, see, I'm, I'm thinking cause I want to be, I want to make sure I'm being honest with myself, let alone honest with you. Yeah. Cause it's easy for me to be like, no, I never, I never doubted myself. Because for the most part, I haven't, you know, like I Mm -hmm. I can say I've been blessed to be very comfortable in my own skin from a very young age. Um, And I've always believed in my abilities and I've always believed. uh, In the plan that God had for my life and the blessings that he had in store for me. But it ain't always easy to believe, if that makes sense, (laughs) you know, so I guess I would say. Ooh, not, not on the way up. Cause I mean, I, honestly, Allie, you know, like so much happened for me so fast,
5: Yeah,
4: you know, until I think that was like, I didn't deal with adversity until way down the line. You know, I was, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I go to Loyola, New Orleans, I'm working at the mm-hmm. Boston Globe while I'm in college. Six months after I graduated from college, I'm back in New Orleans covering the Super Bowl for the Boston Globe. Yep. Three years after I'm out of college, I'm at ESPN. I was at ESPN uh, by 25. I was on ESPN by like 23, 24, working at ESPN by 25, 26. Excuse me if my years are are off here, but I would say by my early 30s, I had my own show. Mm -hmm. By... My late 30s, I was an anchor in the sports center. So, so much happened for me so fast until I didn't, I was a stranger to that real adversity, real professional adversity, even in the moments where I was impatient, even when I was like, yo, when I'm gonna get mine, when I'm gonna get mine, and I look my, I look back and I'm like, dude, you was tripping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you was w- always ahead. You know what I mean? And so, I probably would say it wasn't until, you know, 2017, 2018 and then 2019, and then 2020, and then 2021, uh, and then June 21st of 2022, (laughs) that I really started to kind of be like, damn, like is this, do I have it? You know, did I ever have it? You know?
0: Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Unlike any other apps, SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple.
1: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcast. Let's ride this wave into the second quarter because I think that that lends itself to this. You know, obviously what you do is very competitive. There can only be one you. There can't be a rotating chair. Nobody's like, well, there are going to be 50 hosts doing this one show. There's one show. There are only a few. There's only a limited amount of time in life in a day on TV and with high ratings and high views. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, two parts. What motivated you throughout this Fast, quick-paced life where everything's coming at you. Sure. And then, how have you dealt in the last few years when you say, "Okay, it got a little sticky"? How have you dealt with? I wouldn't call it rejection, but some of that kind of struggle, right? What was the oh, motivation, yeah. and then how did you look at that? How did you? How are you, and how have you um, tapped into that struggle?
4: Can I can I answer the second part first because I like that yeah. word rejection because I like to remix rejection into redirection, you know, mm-hmm. and that was part of the we'll reason. Write that, that down. Was that, that was <laughs> that was part Take of was notes. that a word? Was that a <laughs> word? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> no, a word.
0: I, that's a word for the congregation.
4: I firmly believe we don't get rejected, we get redirected. Um, and again, it hasn't always been easy to believe that. Um, but that's how I've you know dealt with this transition period, this inflection point, which before that became a buzzword in you know the lexicon, I named my company Inflection Point Entertainment. Yep. Uh, when I founded it in 2020, because I, you know, nobody tells you how long this inflection point is going to last. Like people think it's like just a quick second, you know, just a quick, that crossroads is quick. Like, nah, man, this inflection point can be years before it turns in a direction that it's supposed to, and that you were hoping and dreaming that it would. Um, So believing that my steps are ordered, uh, and believing that I'm right where I'm supposed to be, again, while challenging, is what has sustained me. Um In terms of your first question was, what kind of gave me that confidence as I was that meteoric rise?
5: Mm-hmm. Honestly,
4: just the work, because I, I just know that there's nobody that's going to outwork me. There's nobody that's going to out hustle me like as confident as I am in my abilities. I know that there are plenty of people who are capable of doing what I do not. The way that I do it, not necessarily at the level that I do it, mm-hmm. but there are plenty of talented, capable, driven, determined, brilliant people who are more knowledgeable than I am, who are more articulate than I am, you know, who may be here and there, might be better looking than I am. I'm, I, that was a joke. I'm kidding. That was for my wife because she got to watch us and roll our eyes. No, but in all, all, in all seriousness, you and
0: I both, Sarah, you and I both.
4: <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know. I just knew that nobody was doing what I was doing and nobody was paying the price that I was paying. Nobody was doing in the dark what I was doing. Nobody was, nobody was with me in the gym. You know, nobody was shooting me in the gym. gym, You know what I mean? And so that's what gave me the confidence that not only could I did, could I do it? Uh, but I had earned it since this is something of a basketball themed podcast and conversation. Damian Lillard, who I'm sure you know well, he said something. he just stuck with it just stuck with me and it stuck with me both for me and for my son, who I have the privilege to be coaching his AAU team and for my players that I coach. But it's really I think it's it's a lesson for life. Like Damian Lillard made one of his patented game winning shots. And I think it was Shaq on TNT asked him about what gives him the confidence in those moments. And I'm not going to do this um the justice that it deserves. So go find it on YouTube. But he said the work that I put in, in the gym makes me believe that I've earned those results that I deserve to make those shots. You know, like I've put in countless hours. I've, I've, I've worked past the point of exhaustion. I've perfected my craft. I've I've put in the work to where that's just not luck that that's what I deserve those results. And so for me, I always looked at it when I was, you know, 22 at the Boston Globe, when I was 23, 24, 25 on ESPN, when I was 30 something having my own show. I never looked at it as I looked at it in part like, thank you, God, for these blessings. But I also looked at it as like, oh, I ain't just get here by accident. Like mm-hmm. I earned it. I'm one of the best out here at what I do because I because I work at it. You know, like I take the Pepsi challenge with anybody doing yeah. what it is that I do. And again, I got a lot of respect for other people in this game. But I don't take a backseat to anybody. And that's not arrogance. That's that word confidence that stems from I have studied, I have honed, I have practiced, I have evaluated, I have, perf- have perfected, not perfected, because if it's perfected then do something else, but I just know that I've, you know, sacrificed to get to where I've gotten. So that's what gave me the confidence to know that I belong when the road got rocky and, and, and the, the waves got choppy. Um, it was a foreign experience, you know, mm-hmm. because it was the first time that I wasn't able to work my way out of it. If that makes sense, it was the first mm-hmm. time that I wasn't able to just grind my way out of it. it was the first time I wasn't able to just, you know, the first time I, I I had to really consciously surrender control. Cause it's like, it's one thing when you feel like, you know, I, hey, God, God's in control of my life. You know, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I know, I know who's, I, I know whose who, who's, who's, who's hands I'm in. You know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. easy to say those things when things are going well, because then there's another part of you, especially as type A personalities, if I may call myself a type A personality, I know you're certainly a type A personality. Absolutely. The other part of it is, it's like, oh, but this is me though, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I'm like I'm doing, like I'm doing my thing. Like I'm, you know, like I just said, like I'm doing the work, I'm putting in the work, I'm on my grind, I'm seeing the results. But like, what happens when those results aren't as immediate? What happens when those results are nowhere in sight? What happens Mm -hmm. when that tunnel and that light at the end of the tunnel is non-existent? What happens when, you know, you're running your race and you feel like you're getting passed and you feel like you're falling behind when at one point you were leading the pack? What happens, you know, when no matter what you do, it feels like, damn, like, is this good enough? Am I let's, good enough?
0: Let's, let's dig into this because yeah. I think while you were discussing and really opening my eyes up, confidence is something that I get asked about a lot. It's something that I don't naturally think that I do, but I think mm. you and I are very similar, which is, is kind of how we have fast friends, right? I think it's because I respect that you're good in your job. I know that you've worked hard for it and vice versa. There's, there's a level of like real yeah. recognized real here. No doubt. And we know it's like the, like you weren't with me shooting in the gym, and you don't even know how much time I was in the gym. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. in the gym while you sleep. I'm up at 4:30 in the morning while you sleep. And this is no shade; these are just right. facts, right. right? And so I, I'm gonna quote because I just was talking to CJ, a mutual friend. I call her CJ, but yeah. we have a mutual friend, and she she had to check me for a second because she's I good was at in a, that.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's that's how that's how she and her got I got close.
0: Yeah, she had to check me for a second because she's like, I, I keep hearing you say, you know, in certain meetings, when we talk about your opportunity, um, mm-hmm. in our leadership meetings, you talk about your opportunity or you discuss something that you have going on in, in com- not comparison, but relative to what else is on, offered on the table, and mm-hmm. you use the word privilege. And she's like, I need to check you because you're not privileged. This is not because you, your opportunity set isn't a privilege. Nobody handed you that. You work very hard for it. Mm -hmm. And I had to, and I was like, wow, like that hit, that was like the one of the below the belts that just like woke you up and you're like, facts, what Mm -hmm. am I doing? I wanna make sure what I'm saying about myself is honest and true. And it's just, it's not discrediting the hard work that I put in every single day. And so I think there's a subgroup of people, Yes. That like, it, let's play it small. Yeah. Let's like yeah. it's, it, let, let, humble brag. Like, you know, yeah. not me. No, 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 no. When the yeah. reality is let's put away the humble brag. Let, no yeah. longer are the days of the humble brag. We're here yeah. to celebrate and champion each other. And I have right. to stand on that. And so I, I had, I, it's been, it's still new because it happened a couple of days ago, but it's actually something I'm recognizing I do too often. I play small when I tell you not to play small so that I'm not too big and overshadowing. And I say all that to say like the first part when you're talking about confidence and you're talking about the fact that, you know, maybe I didn't deal with that second guessing. I didn't deal with like, quote unquote, rejection or the redirect. I didn't have to redirect right away in my career, but it was because I was so committed to doing the work. And there are people out there that are just like, I'm with you. I hear you, Michael. I hear you, Allie. I'm committed to doing the work. But what I love, and I want to dig in a little bit more, is that we can still do the work, we can pound against a rock, we can run as fast as we can, we cannot stop, but there is a moment in life, moments for many of us, I call it chaos, the unknown, Mm -hmm. where you meet your match. Yeah. You work. You, you've given all you've got. You've strategized to the point where you've written everything down. You've thought about it, you've talked about it, you've prayed about it, and nothing is happening. Nothing is working in your favor. Nothing is coming as not quote unquote easy, but as more seamless. Nothing yeah. is clicking. And I think there's another subgroup of people, and maybe there's an intersection of those two people, but there's another group of people that's like, that's where I am. I'm coming out of a few years where things are challenging and i'm being strategic i'm being thoughtful i'm having all the conversations with all the right people i'm putting myself out there i'm doing exactly the work that you're talking about and mm-hmm. i'm not seeing any of the fruits of that labor mm. i need to know in these moments past in the last few years and present what is your strategy what is you said you, the word surrender what does that look like literally what is a surrender look like cuz the word buzzwords uh, for me is like redefine rebreak breaking down these like buzzwords what does a surrender looks like on a, we just had a conversation, a meeting, something didn't go your way, something got taken away from you that maybe you wanted, you thought you deserved, you thought was your future. What does surrender look like? What's the action behind that for you?
4: Mm. Okay, I'll give you, okay, I don't know if this exactly answers the question, but I, I'll give you a recent example because it just kind of popped in when you said something that I wanted that I didn't get that I thought I should mm. get so first of all, it's, it's removing, it's, it, it's, it's repenting and changing your mind and shifting the paradigm from just that. And it's hard when you're competitive. It's hard when you're confident not to identify something and say, I want that. That's for me. I should get that. And then when you don't, it's kind of hard not to feel like, well, was that some kind of reflection on me? Is that some mm-hmm. kind of referendum on me? It, what, what does that say about me? Am I, am I missing something? Am I not as dope as I thought I was? Am I, did I not, did I say the wrong thing? Did I not? It's no different than relationships in, in many respects, where it's like, just because. You don't hit it off with a certain person. That is the most amazing cup I've ever seen. Hold on. I need you to like, Thank you. What, what, it, that is, wait, what?
0: This, this is my, for those that can't see and just is listening. Um, this is my JLo cup. So if you saw JLo premiere, she has this like bedazzle cup. I saw JLo a couple months ago. She had a cup and I was like, well, if I'm going to hydrate, if my hydration station is a part of my whole brand, then it, it's got to be flat as hell. Damn. And so this is my, this is. It looks like it could be gotta, like
4: a purse at the same time. Like, you, like I mean, I mean like, you're ma-
0: this is why you're crafty. <laughs> like, this is it. Innovation right in the, on the spot. No, it's a, it's a very, it's a large cup. I fill it with water. And just it's just regular gas, water. So
4: regular you should, water. It looks like it's holy water or something in there. Like,
0: <laughs> well, because you are, you are speaking facts. You were talking about surrender. I'm, I'm i will sip this holy water. Cause I need an anointing oh right gosh. now. Oh my
4: gosh. Oh my gosh.
0: Sorry for the uh, distraction, but I was- No, hydrating. that's okay. It was a welcome distraction. You know, drink water, be kind, and bossa.
4: <laughs> I like in a relationship. It's like if somebody, you know, if, if somebody doesn't vibe with you, you know, I, we, people too often, there's that word rejection, internalize it. They'd be like, oh, well, something's wrong with me because he or she or they didn't love me the way I love them. It's like, no. Not necessarily. Maybe you, it just wasn't the right time or you weren't what they were looking for. Like when it comes to, you know, opportunity, a recent opportunity
5: mm-hmm. that
4: I, I guess I'll flatter myself and say I was up for um that I didn't get. It, and this is the growth because there was a time when I may have been disappointed. But once I had the conversation about this position, I gave it to God because I had given my best. Because I re- I told my wife I was like I can't be something else. You know, like I can't be a former athlete. I mean, I I was a backup quarterback in high school, you know, I had mm-hmm. my moments, but I can't be a former hey athlete. Now. You know, I I can't be let's I can't be white. They looking for somebody white. I I I can't be that. If they looking for a woman, I can't be that. I can only be me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like No different than at a certain point, somebody is going to be looking specifically for me or somebody like me. And the people that don't get it can't be mad because they ain't me. Mm -hmm. Like I can only be the best me that I can be. And that has helped me. Again, I don't know if that answers your exact question about what does my process actually look like. But it's just like realizing that. And again, it's such a cliche. But it's really hard to live by it day to day, especially when you're going through it, is that what's for me is for me and for nobody else. It was not for me ain't for me. You know, and I can't get upset. I can't say that because it sounds good and then get upset and don't practice that and then get upset when something doesn't go my way. Yeah. You know, it's like, again, it's just believing that you're right where you're supposed to be. I mean, there were times in the last few years where I was just like, like there were setbacks, you know, uh, whether it was, two startups ago, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. or the startup before this one, or even projects that I'm working on with, with Inflection Point Entertainment with this company. It's just like, man, you know, like, why does it feel like I'm running in place, if not yeah. regressing at times? You know, where are all the opportunities that I think I should be getting? Where, You know, why are things falling into place the way that I want them to? And my answer, to, and another aspect of my process that has helped me is just that is just enjoying the process. So, the for the people that's doing the work but not getting the results, you can't be in it for the results. You can't be you can't do what you love with the results in mind. If you're in the music, and I'm not a, I'm not a musician, but I, you can't make music with record sales and awards in mind. If you're an artist, you can't paint. But you can't draw, you can't sculpt with a commission in mind or or mm-hmm. having it, you know, hanging in a museum in mind. Even in my little world, I wouldn't consider mm-hmm. what I do art, but let's just say entertainment in general or even sports, going back to sports. You got to love the process more than you love the results. You know, like results are results for a reason. They're an extension of the process. They are they should not be the goal. You, it, it's a, a Results are goal and goals are two different things. It's like yeah. you can have a goal, but you can't but that goal cannot be your your why. That can't be your reason. That can be that can be your destination. Your why is because is, is in and of itself you love what it is you do. So for me, I love telling stories. For me, I love having conversations like this. I love getting to know people. I love getting to understand people's processes and what makes them tick, what drives them. I love Pulling things the, the way you're doing with me right now, I love pulling things out of people that they wouldn't ordinarily share in and of itself. Whether that leads to me having uh, my own platform, my own show, my own network, and getting paid millions of dollars to do it, those are the results. But that can't be what gets you up in the morning because that's external validation. So if I'm doing this to get followers on Twitter or Instagram, I'm doing this to get famous. I'm in for a rude awakening because there's going to come a day when I'm not famous. Yeah. gonna come a day when nobody is checking for me. What is it that gets me up in the morning? What is it that fulfills me? So my process has been leaning into just that, the process.
1: on the iheartradio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast
0: there's a couple things i'm taking away because we talked you know we're talking about like what is the actualization of surrender looks like to you because it isn't easy to do and some of the things that you for that you said in terms of your process i do like that the goals goals are not your why understanding your why and knowing that that's going to that's going to motivate you every day that's going to Allow you or in- encourage you to readjust in those moments when things don't work out, when the piece of the puzzle doesn't fit perfectly and you didn't get what you thought you deserved and you didn't, yeah. you're not at the place where you think or thought you should be at this age or this space in your life.
4: And your why can evolve. Like my why is different now than maybe it was 10 years ago. Like mm-hmm. my why now is to tell stories, tell the stories that need to be told by and for the people that need. To hear them and tell them.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Um, my my mission is to amplify voices, it is to amplify stories, it is to amplify perspectives, it is to lift up, it is to pull people up and push them beyond even what I've achieved. You know, it's like I just I I what drives me, even on the little show that I do right now, even on Brother from Another, right? Mm-hmm. I don't get excited, no disrespect, uh, to talk about Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? I get excited to find the people whose dream it is to be in broadcasting and share my platform with them. Yeah. Because like, cause like, what do I get? Again, I don't mean to diminish what it is I do. I don't mean to diminish the fact that somebody pays me to do it. But what do I get at this point? by giving out my 100th LeBron hot take.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: As opposed to, hey, this person's up and coming or this person needs a shot. This, need, this person needs to get put on. Let me use this platform. Let me use whatever authority that I have to amplify their voice. Likewise, when it comes to my company, this is a story that needs to be told. How can I tell this story? This is a person who needs to be spotlighted. How can I, How can I use the credibility and the resources and the relationships that I've built over the years to uplift this person and put them in position to succeed. I just, again, I'm not, it's not to say that I'm satisfied, but what drives me is not another check. And I don't mean to sound, I'm not trying to sound magnanimous in any way. It's just, I think when you've, when you've achieved a lot of those personal goals early, Mm-hmm. And then watch the opposite happen. When you've been through the valley, when you've been to the mountaintop and then been through the valley, your perspective on the way back up changes. If that sense. Oh my sense. gosh,
0: you get it's yes, it's you there's a level set that occurs.
4: Yeah. And
0: it and and it needs to happen. And so I think like I've been,
4: been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. Like like you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, I don't need that anymore. But there mm-hmm. are other people who do want that. So let me help them get that. Meanwhile, what is it, what what do I want? And That's what drives me every day is my mission, my calling, my purpose uh, to to amplify through storytelling, to uplift and empower through storytelling, Mm
5: -hmm. to
4: inform, enlighten and where I can entertain through storytelling. That's my purpose. And let the results be what they may. How can I get better at that every day? Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but you got me thinking. You got my you got my wheels. No, turning, you, you know?
0: no, do not apologize. This is all great. I'm literally looking down, I'm taking notes. I have a bunch of notes here. Um, and I will share before we get into halftime some of the notes. Cause when I was asking you about surrender, I also you sparked you know, that curiosity in me of like, well, how do I surrender? And I was like, the first thing that came to mind for me is I do vent. I I will like unleash the dragon. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, okay, absolutely. Good.
4: That makes me feel better. Cause sometimes yes. I feel guilty for venting.
0: No, and you know I was talking to my husband Andrew yesterday, and he was he said he and he says this often, but it's a good reminder that when you're venting or you feel hurt, offended, upset about something, you even when you feel like you're on the right side of right and it, it's something happened that's unjust, he's like you can't help but how you feel. So feel how you feel, and let's work through that, and then you get to a, a point where you can now say okay. How do I move forward or how do I yeah. go through this or what are my next steps? And so oftentimes I think we, f- we feel bad about the fact that we feel bad or that we're angry or that we're upset and you're like, I need to be, I tell myself I can say that, you know, it before I surrender, I, or as I'm surrendering, I tell myself like sometimes I beat myself up and I'm like, you know, you should be happy for that person that they got that. Like, who, who are you to say that if it was for you and you start using these cliches, if it was for you, you would have gotten it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you should just, you <laughs> should be grateful for what you have. You should, right. you know, and I'm, I'm shooting all over myself. I'm just like, you mm-hmm. should do this. And then I'm feeling bad about the fact that I feel bad. And the reality is I'm recognizing that as I, in the midst of surrendering, the action, the verb of surrender, surrendering is that I need to vent. I need to be yeah. me. Like you said, they're going to be looking yeah. for me one day, but I need to continue to be me. I need to feel how I feel. I need to yeah. tell somebody. Somebody got to hear well, me look. and hopefully a safe person, not like, you know, not, not like on the not, mic. Not, but.
4: not just a safe person. I know, you know, church folks say, oh, I can't complain. God ain't said you can't complain. He just said you got to trust. He ain't said you couldn't complain.
5: Ooh, he ain't word. said you
4: couldn't. He ain't said you had to enjoy it all the time. He just said, yo, just trust me. Okay, I get it. I get you frustrated. I get you in where you want to be when you want to be there and how and how and in and, and the luxury way in which you want to arrive there. But he ain't tripping because you're frustrated. So, I, I, but but even still, the reason why what you said spoke to me is because it's like, you know, I look at everything that I've received and everything that I've experienced, and I look at my family and I look at what I have and what I have to be grateful for every day. That's when I feel guilty for venting. Because I feel like I think the balance is don't let the venting bleed over into the gratitude or don't let it don't don't let it don't don't be more more frustrated and and disappointed than you are grateful. It's like there's room for venting, there's room for disappointment, but it's like you got to quickly transition back into that, you know, gratitude space. So that's what that's where I feel guilty is when I'm just like, you know. Even minimizing what it is that I'm doing, because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, who doesn't, especially nowadays, you know, social media, who doesn't get caught up in the comparison game? It's just kind of hard to avoid it altogether, unless you're like in a rock, under a rock, excuse me, no, in I, a closet. You know? No, I'm
0: right there. I'm right there. If you're in the closet, you can come out, but I'm right there with you. Um, we want everybody <laughs> i mean, in the closet, like, welcome
4: you know, here. like, you like, No, you're I mean... I mean, you don't like know unless you're like completely tuned out to the rest of the, the world. Yes,
0: you're just like I'm not on social.
4: Yeah, it's like it's hard not to look and be like, damn, what am I doing? You know, well, why? You why, know what? Why haven't I done this? Why, what, 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 what? 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 I'm slacking. You know, so that's 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 what I mean by like. Absolutely,
0: you know, yeah. Com- comparison they say is a thief of joy, and it absolutely is. Um, But the reality is, it goes back to kind of like a Brene Brown thing, where it's like, and I, I'm pretty sure this is her, or this is a some kind of something that I've derived from what I've read from her, like a deduction mm-hmm. that I had, is that, you know, first thought, not best thought, right? The, your first thought is maybe gonna be comparing yourself. Your first mm-hmm. thought is like, I should have gotten that, or like, I'm mm-hmm. angry, I'm upset, I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. But your second thought and third thought, you are in control of. You can mm-hmm. you can take back that narrative. And it brings mm-hmm. me in, which is why I was looking down at my phone for those that don't know, that aren't watching the, um, the YouTube video, if you're just listening. I was looking down why Michael was talking because I read this book that was highly recommended by a friend of mine, Daniel Scott, Okay. um and it's called the energy bus and it's by the John Gordon bus. the energy bus which is like now okay. my new plight in life like I'm here for it and mm-hmm. one of the things that the discuss is like there is a there's also another one like the no complaining rule right and it talks about mm-hmm. how energy is contagious so obviously when you're in that space of venting just know that's why I say a safe space just know mm-hmm. that if you bring that in certain spaces it's negative so your energy mm-hmm. is contagious but mm-hmm. also like there's a rule on the flip side of that of like no complaining, not that you can't complain. It's just that once you've complained, let's look at the upside, let's move forward. No and, and this concept of surrender, I think those things need to coexist. And the reason I don't think it's a this or that, more of an and, is because I, when I surrender, I need to vent. I need to tell myself there is negative energy that is pent up inside of me that I need to get Mm. out. I need to Mm. get the complaints out. And then I need to bridge that gap to say, okay, now that I'm done there, I'm not, I'm not going to continue to complain. I'm not going to continue to wear that negative energy. I will look at, to your point, but what, what am I grateful for? Not that the gratitude or the things that I have
4: ventilation, Allie, a little ventilation, air it out a little,
0: a little, yeah, there you go, you know, that sounds better, air it (laughs) out. Um, you know, and again, it's not that it's not, because I have these things, then I should act a different way or I should, this shouldn't make me upset. Because I have these things, that makes me happy and I can get upset, but just know I won't stay there. And I think that is the most important thing when we think of this journey and we talk, you know, we talked about your journey in the first quarter of like, how, how did you know this was available to you? Taking it into the second quarter of like, when did you, when did it, when did, when did ish hit the fan? And you're just like, no, and nah. how did you deal with it? And I think yeah. what we're learning before we get into like this little quick, um, halftime is that, you you can, you can, it's this and that. You can be grateful. You can be on that fast track. You can hit the rocks you can, and you can feel upset, angry and grateful and know that you can move on. And you're I think human. that that juxtaposition comes yeah. back to everything that I, I will say that one of the biggest things that you preach and that you've said to me too in person when we started having conversations is that when they're looking for me, I'm going to be me. That right. is you. And that is powerful because you're not right. just this and you're not just that. You yeah. are all-encompassing of feeling all of these things and sometimes hell at once, you know what I mean? And that's what makes these conversations so powerful. So wait, on that I note, love it. I, I want to I I jump into some quick, very short, um, rapid fire, and then Oof. I have a question for you. I'm curious about all the right. question at the end of this halftime entertainment. Uh, okay. So whatever comes to mind, super easy, super quick, you know what I okay. mean? Okay, all right. Super short. All right. all right, so I call it fire rapid because this is just when I've hosted at the Nets games, I would like to say that I get all the words right, but I do not. And while this has been told <laughs> to me hundreds of times that is called rapid fire, when I introduced it at the Nets game, I'm like, hey, I'm here with Michael. He's a Brooklyn Nets fan and we're gonna do some fat fire rapid. <laughs> and I don't know why, but that is I, the thing. I like so it. for this I dig <laughs> it. fire brand. rapid, let's all go. All right,
4: fire rapid, okay.
0: let's go. Basketball or football? It's fire rapid,
4: Foot- Michael, come on. I'm sorry, football, that's it's hard, football.
0: Football. It is? That's the point. Uh, yeah. TV or podcast?
4: <laughs> TV.
0: New Orleans or New York? New Orleans. Hosting or being interviewed? Hosting. Co-hosting or solo hosting?
4: I'm a solo act now. <laughs> I'm realizing that I'm a solo
0: By act. Fire rapid. <laughs> um, okay. I would say very quickly, your, one of your funniest moments on camera. Go.
4: Oh God! There's so many to choose from. Um, my funniest moments on camera. Sorry, this is not very rapid. I, oof. Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's 20 years, 20 something years. There's a lot. There's a lot of funny moments. I like to have fun. I, a lot of funny moments.
0: I'll share my mine. That's most shared it's, is okay. that I okay, often yeah, put my dude. pants on backwards on camera. Like when I come out for class, I would say like more times than I'd like when I teach a class. My pants are on backwards. More times than I'd
4: like. Funny moments. Okay, just quick quick clarification. Could it be funny to other people? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, not this necessarily is, to you. So you'll this appreciate this. This is your fire this.
0: rapid. You go Given for Given your
4: background, you'll appreciate this. I would say my funniest moments for people that have followed me is anytime I'm caught on camera dancing. It is not uh, a pretty sight. I cannot dance at all. There are not many things that I do do worse than dance, um, but I but I do believe I, I I am a moment Caesar. I seize the moment. Um, there is an infamous video of me on stage at a party uh, dancing to Bell Bib with Bell Bib Devote not to, with Bell Bib Devote to Poison, and I just dun, feel dun, like dun, dun, even dun. though it was awful, I feel like I deserve credit for seizing the moment because they call me on stage. And I what what am I gonna do? Not go? And so no, I went up you and go. I did my thing. I went up and I did my thing. So I would say my funniest moments on camera, uh, not necessarily in a studio, anytime I've ever been caught dancing is uh seems to uh bring a lot of joy <laughs> to those well, that they, have seen it.
0: My one of my newest favorite proverbs that I've been saying lately that I heard um is they'll call you a fool whether you dance or not. So Michael like okay. you dance. You, there
4: you dance. Go. You have hey, uh, honorable mention, honorable mention. I'm uh, really proud of some of the sketches that we did, um, you know, on my old show, His and Hers. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you could have told me when I was growing up that we'd have an opportunity. This this is objectively funny. Uh, that we would have an op- that we, I would have an opportunity to basically play Eddie Murphy on television. So whether it was coming to America, whether it was Anchorman, whether it was Step Brothers, whether it was Boys in the Hood, like, We did some, we did some black shit. Excuse my language. We did, we did, we did some some awesome stuff back in the day. Uh, (laughs) and it was, I'm proud of that. We did some classic material. So that I would, I would say that one in terms of objectively funny, funny stuff. Yeah.
0: I love that. Um, and then last one, as we round out this halftime entertainment, you can only pick one, although Angela, you picked like a bunch and I was down for every single one she picked, but what is your one pet peeve? Like, irks the nerve. You know how your, you know how your parents who say, you're going to get on my last nerve. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the thing that gets on your last nerve. Even though I used to tell my parents, or it, I wouldn't say it out loud because, I mean, I wanted life, right? I wanted to live. I chose life. Right. Um, I'd be like, if you only have one nerve left, you should go to the doctor. That's what I thought when they said that to me. But, you know, I digress.
4: One nerve. I got, piece, thre- last I, got nerve. I got, I got three kids. So it's hard to narrow it down I'm Two two teenagers. Um, but honestly, I would say. And this is not like a nails on a chalkboard type thing or it's like, oh, I hate it when people are late or I, you know, I hate when dishes are in the sink. No, no, this is more of a macro issue for me. And this kind of speaks to our entire conversation. I hate underachievement. I hate Mm -hmm. the idea of me not maximizing my potential. And so I hate when. I see people, or worse, when I'm surrounded by people mm. who do not, who aren't all in all the time. I only know one speed, and that's 100 miles an hour. I only know one way to play, and that's hard. Every single snap, every single play, every single minute, every single segment, every single show, I only every single project. I know one way to play, and when people mail it in. Mm. That's when I get to be a real a-hole. I am. Mm. The, I, people have considered me difficult at various stages, and there's a that's a whole nother conversation. We can unpack that. That's 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 societal. That's cultural. That's you know. There's a lot to that idea of being difficult, which I'm sure you can relate to.
0: Absolutely. Um, Writing that down.
4: But the reason I've been difficult is because I'm demanding, and I don't demand anything of anybody around me that I don't demand of myself. And all I demand is that you put forth your best effort, especially when we're on the same team, because if you ain't pulling your weight, that, e- that means one of two things. Either I got to pull your weight for you, mm-hmm. or we getting dragged down. And there's absolutely nothing worse than being held back. Mm-hmm. So that is my pet peeve, Allie Love, is people who don't give everything. Because if you're going to half-ass it, don't do it. That's the way I coach. That's the way. That's what I tell my son. Like I don't need you to make the NBA. I don't need you to be great at basketball. I need you to be the best that you can be. Yeah. I don't yell at him for missing shots. I don't yell. At, I yell at him when he running, and he stopped. That is not an issue now. He knows the one yeah. thing I demand is maximum effort.
5: I so think my
0: my love language. My I, I like that because I think conversely, like my love language is pre- thoughtfulness and preparation. Like being prepared, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. showing up. If you ask for my time, just be prepared. Be thoughtful. Yep. And like, yep. I think that that it go coexist with like, that's how you continue to raise the bar. But let's go ahead and step into this third quarter because let's there's some it. things that let's, you know, in, in the first quarter and the second quarter that you said that I want to kind of bring full circle. And it's I, one, identifying. Ways I love the this format, ride. by the way. Thank you. And so I, did I CJ. Like she thought yeah. this was genius. She was, is, I told her really about is. my podcast like and she was like, girl, like I got, she gave me so many ideas. She also told me to give you a foul, but I wrote it down. Because I, I was like, maybe I'll give him a foul because he jumped forward to the fourth quarter when I asked him the question that stayed in the second quarter. But then I couldn't tie it but, in. So CJ don't sidebar, hate me, but you had a great quick, idea.
4: Quick sidebar. CJ, I guess she goes by CJ in your world. She's Sharita. She's Sharita Johnson. Johnson to me. Char- yeah, Sharita um, Johnson in your world. Do you but do you know she she's like I you talking about shout outs Can I can I go back to the first quarter? Can I I real will quick, not give you a foul d- for
0: that? Go for it.
4: Assist. Assist. My career arc. And trajectory change, thanks to CJ. CJ greenlit and supervised the his and hers his podcast. And hers
0: podcast, yes.
4: So, listen to that woman.
0: I, <laughs> trust my, me, one of my I... core
4: principles is listen to the woman. <laughs> listen to that woman, so <laughs> she knows what she's talking about.
0: I, I am, I am here for that. I am here for that, and it's amazing because again, I'm so, I'm so blessed. I'm so fortunate to have. This network of folks like you, like her, that I can tap into, that I can just lean on and ask for help. And I told her that I was interviewing you and she was like, let's go through it. And she, she, she was, <laughs> so I, at some point, maybe I'll give you a foul, but like not right now, because I feel like we're All on right. a roll. We're, we're, okay. I feel like we're winning. We're ahead.
3: Okay.
1: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: In the third quarter, I do want to focus on um, some of the things that was brought up, mm-hmm. and it's this kind of this kind of how to. When we talked about surrender, when we talk about you know they'll be looking for you, It's like in this moment where your life has been on speed. You've gotten a lot of things you wanted at an early age. Think the ball was rolling in a in a in a in a great direction. It was redirected at one time, at a couple times, right? And you're able to pivot. Mm-hmm. What does And I'm going to, I'm going to make this, I'm going to give you a little caveat. Like I, not, no shade to like the family life. Love it. But for those people that are tuning in for their career, because your career is, is a great roadmap and people sincerely, I mean, are trying to mimic it. When it comes to your professional life, what is your metric for success? I often say like your structure plus strategy equals success, right? Structure is I'm going to do this, this at this time and this, and that's going to lend itself. And that's going to be the roadmap. Your strategy Strategy is how you apply it. Strategy Strategy equals equals success. This is something I've been saying. For many years, um, as I, you know, as I develop myself into, I don't want to say that I'm a motivational speaker, but something that lend I lend myself to that intersection of professional and personal life that we often neglect. We don't live in our intersectionality enough. And I think this is imperative because this is applicable to your personal, and your professional life. Structure, the strategy equals success. You have a routine in the morning. You do the routine. That's your strategy. Your strategy is, I'm going to do this at least five times a week. It equals accomplishment. I made it. I done. I hit success, right? That's a metric for success right there. Um, and so when you think about your professional life, how do you, how have you, you can take this any way that feels good for you. What is, or how have you established a metric for success for yourself? And what does that look like? If you don't mind giving us insight.
4: Man, that's deep. Because it's changed over the years. Yeah. You know, and I, and I would say how I, I'll tell you how I define it then. How I defined it then and how I define it now. Like Ooh, most I love people, a good
0: sale. Two for one. Give it to me.
4: <laughs> like most people, you know, growing up um in the, you know, I was born in 1979. So growing up in the 80s and the 90s and growing up in New Orleans, the way I grew up, you know, it was going to college and getting a good job.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Once I fell into journalism, you know, it was... When I was at the Boston Globe it was like, okay, I want to be the Patriots beat writer. That happened in a year. Okay, you know, I want to be the national reporter. Uh the national NFL reporter. Another paper offered me the job and the Globe couldn't match it, but they you know, maybe the beat writer and they put me on around the horn. Mm-hmm. So I'm on ESPN at 23, 24 years old while working at the Boston Globe. ESPN doubles my salary and hires me at 25 ish 25 26 something like that and i'm a national nfl reporter um a black national nfl reporter i may add um and i'm kicking ass and taking names mm-hmm. and very quickly so if you see what i'm kind of establishing here, is like. Again, just, I'm moving. You know, I'm on the rise. I'm like meteoric, right? Wonderkin, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, right? It's like, oh, well, I want my own show. And I'd be successful if I had my own show.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And so I get my own show. Well, we'd be more successful if we were on ESPN and not ESPN too. I'd be more successful if I got, if I made more money, you know? And mm-hmm. so I get all of that. I get not my not just my own show, but the show. I get paid out the wazoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get, you know, I get this big contract. I get this big staff, this cavernous studio. I'm on billboards. I'm on commercials. It's like doing it. And it was the most miserable experience of my life, sports. Wow. I mean. um, and so then, I'm kind of in this professional purgatory, just trying yeah. to like figure out what happened around 2017 and 18. Just like, what the heck just happened? It's the first time that the sailing was not relatively speaking smooth.
5: Yeah.
4: And so it's like, well, what do I want to do? All right. I want to be an executive and I want to be a content creator and a storyteller and a, and a producer. It's like, well, I go to a startup and that startup dissolves in seven weeks after I got there. Oh shit, what do I do now? I just I just left money on the table at ESPN to get my freedom. And now the place that I went mm-hmm. to, like, what do I, I can't go back. Can't be like, uh, excuse me, uh, I was wondering it. You know, I, 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 I can't go back where I left. So it was like, well, what do I do? It's like, well, I, I form another startup off of that startup. And then very early on, I'm like, this ain't for me either like, hmm. so, All right. I guess I'll give this some time and give it a year. Okay. I got. I got. This ain't for me. I got to go. Damn. What do I do now? All right. Y'all want me to do a, a talk show at the intersection of sports and culture, kind of like the one I was doing before it was popular. Hmm. All right. I guess it's not really what I want to do, but okay. I guess I'll do it. It's something. It's with my. You know, one of my best friends, my brother, might as well do it. This ain't really what I want to do. This ain't really where I want to be right now. But okay, I guess there's worse things to be doing. Sorry for the long answer, but my point is, it's like I've realized that, like, if you define success based on external standards and expectations, yes, if you define success based on what the world has convinced you success looks like, so in my profession. It's having your own show. It's being on ESPN. It's being on national television. It's having your own television show. It's making a lot of money. If you define success based off of those barometers, you are in for a rude awakening mm. because that will not last more more times than not. Sometimes Some of us are fortunate that it will last forever. It may not last forever. It may change suddenly. How then do you defend against feeling like you're a failure if how you define success is taken away from you? So for me, long, I'm sorry, I'm long with it. The the way that I define success now, and the way that I've come to define success, let's phrase it that way, is did I inspire somebody? Did I enlighten somebody? Did I inform somebody? Did I empower somebody? Did I dish out an assist today? And for me, it's day to day to day. And last but not least, did I challenge myself today? Mm
5: -hmm.
4: Did I, did I stretch myself? Did I do something Mm -hmm. out of my comfort zone? So for me, and honestly, I, listen, I, I, I'm talking to somebody who I know does not approach things this way. So I'm, you know, but I, I'm just, I've never, I've never been the type to like write down a five year plan or 10 yeah. year plan. I'm not a vision board type. My wife is I'm not a vision board type. It's just mm-hmm. I kind of like, I, I put my head down, I grind, I keep digging and I, I let the work speak for itself and, you know, let the chips fall where they may have you want to phrase it. So for me, success is more intangible. If I could kind of land this plane and wrap this up, it's more intangible than it once was. Once upon a time, it was tangible. Now for me, it's more of a feeling. It's do I feel fulfilled? Like for me, success this past weekend was coaching my son's AAU team. Real talk, that'd be my full-time job. If I I could do that full-time, I would coach. and, And I ain't X's and O's guy. I'm more of a motivator, if I may say so. But the success was like, look, I was able to spend Father's Day with a group of kids and offer correction, offer guidance, offer motivation. Today, after I finish doing brother from another with a friend of mine, another friend of mine, not Michael, I'm going to go around the corner and I'm going to coach practice. That's success to me because I'm Uh, happy. Like uh, I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. My kids are happy. My kids are provided for, you know, thanks to the work that I put in, so it's like i because if I let if I let you know the amount of viewers or views or followers or my bank account dictate my success, and now granted, kinda easy I'm gonna use this privilege word. it's kinda easy for me to say my bank account doesn't determine my success, not that I can't stand and make more money. Hello if you're listening. I welcome more checks. (laughs) There you go. There (laughs) you go. But my point is, I can't, I'm, I am privileged and fortunate enough to be able to look at success through in, through an intangible lens. Yeah. Because I'm comfortable for the most part. Not set for life, but comfortable for the most part. So for me, success is much more about who I'm helping. What am I doing for the culture? What am I doing to? You know, as best I can close the gap between society's problems and its solutions. You know, I that's like that. That. so sorry for the long well, answer, well, no, no, but, no, no. But, it, but it's an evolution for me. I've evolved into this place of no, like, how I'll success.
0: I don't think that you, I don't know, apology necessary. I think the point of people tuning into a podcast like this is to learn something to take away first to look back at someone's journey. So they have insight on how they became to be and what they're doing now. And that like we're going to step into the fourth quarter, um, before the game is over because. I think you said your impact on, y- y- you want to be impactful. You want to be intentional mm-hmm. and impactful on your community, whether it's one person or many. And that's mm-hmm. fulfillment, right? That fulfills you. you. I wrote down success is what fulfills you is what you mm-hmm. say. And so I want to unpack that in this fourth quarter by talking about what you have mentioned and what you got going on now in the buzzword, but you're t- reclaiming inflection, right? This inflection point media, you've created mm-hmm. a multimedia company. and it's something that you said, well, I tried this. I tried that. I tried this. And now I know what I want to do. I know what success looks like. And more importantly, I know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for us to kind of end here of understanding why creating inflection point media. Um, talk about the name a little bit more. I know you said it. It's not just one. It's not an abbreviated amount of time. It could last for a long time. So I assume there's yeah. a, there's a connection yeah. there. Um, yeah. and then like, where do you hope that it'll go?
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, I always knew that I didn't want to just be a talking head forever. Somebody told me a long time ago, if you were talent, if you're always talent, you could always be replaced. And I always feel like I had an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, when it comes to like. I knew that I wanted to I I didn't major in business. I didn't study business, but I knew I wanted my own business. I wanted to be self-employed. I wanted to employ others. I did not want to be forever at the mercy of somebody else's vision or lack thereof. I did not want to be at the mercy of the revolving door of the C suites making decisions based off of their preference, you know, their agenda. And I'm just a pawn in, in their game. I always wanted to tell stories that I wanted to tell the way I wanted to tell them. And on a, uh, and on a foundational level, that's all inflection point entertainment is. It is we are platform, genre, um, and subject agnostic, mm-hmm. which is a fancy way of saying, like, if it's a story I want to tell, I'll tell it. So right okay. now, our, our development slate has, you know, feature films around within, you know, influential figures in sports, the Supreme Court, um, you know, gender, sexual assault, race, you know, all the different issues, uh, you know, within society and and not all heavy. Some of it is, is you know, literally fun and games. Uh, I'm doing documentaries. I'm doing film. I'm doing podcasts. All, you know, and honestly, some, some of my day, it's also too, another part of my process is just like appreciating like the small wins. Like every win does not have to be big. And I do not despise the day of small beginnings. Inflection point is two years old, just about. And it still feels like we're on the ground floor. But yet, day by day, there's just little things that might happen, even if it's the completion of a deck of a pitch deck that makes me like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Or it could just be a meeting. And that meeting may or may not lead to a relationship, a partnership, a strategic partnership, you know, uh, a sponsorship, uh, a deal. But still, like, the idea of, like, meeting and ideating and pitching and developing and just – I love it, you know? I love networking, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, what was, your, what was your original question? I'm sorry. I love I it. No, your you're telling question? us
0: about it. I'm saying, like, you know. Oh, this, you, what is it? I'm saying what, is, yeah. what it is, but that's what it is. And what's, yeah. you know, what you're doing. You're saying these are the things that you're agnostic about. Telling, telling, the, these telling
4: stories. the stories I want to tell, the stories that people need to hear and, and giving people the opportunity that need it. Well, it, I think also one of the
0: things, one of the things that you say, um, as we close the game is that inflection point media is that you, you're reclaiming agency, right? You're taking back your yeah. power. If talent right. can be replaced, no longer are the days where you are the talent. Now you are the person behind the lens. Now you're the person that, sit ha- that have a seat at the table that's Owning the table to say let's bring creators in, facilitating yeah. that conversation, facilitating what content yeah. creation looks like for the next generation, and the stories being told, and the unstories that need to be told. So I think that you've you done... describe what
4: I'm doing better than I do. So thank you.
0: Well, it's a, no, no. When you're so, <laughs> I'm gonna have
4: to use all of that stuff you just yes,
0: take it. But when you're so close to something, it's like when I describe Love Squad, I say I'll do Love Squad to my dying days because even if it never becomes a huge company, it's a small company that I'm the CEO and founder of, and we do women empowerment events virtually and in real life. And I'm like, the reason it fulfills me so much because it comes back to what you said, the metric of success is making sure that, you know, I find what fulfills me is that ability to give back through conversation. Mm -hmm. I think the catalyst for change is conversation and it's through these conversations, through the game of life that we just played, that we just went through, that we just talked about, that's gonna change someone's life. There's something here that's gonna get someone to think. That's going to get someone to pivot. That's going to get someone to have a feeling about something. That's going to invoke, evoke something. And I think that is, that's what magic is. Like when we talk about magic, you know, that's what the magic is. Is to get you to think, to to think in the way you've never done before. Right. That's what magic is for the game.
4: You said we were closing Um, the game. I I do have a question for you, if I may. Oh, yeah, of course. It's hard. I mean, I just, you know. You
0: do this? Oh, do you do this for a living? Oh, my So, But it's
4: hard (laughs) for me to turn it off. It's hard for me to turn it off because I got so many questions and I'm so, you know, curious about you because it's like, and I saw it at Harvard, you know, when we spent four days together and it felt like, A, it felt like we'd known each other forever. Yes. B, it felt like we had spent, you know, four months together after that, you know, that four days. I felt like, you know, I'm vibing with her. I know her.
5: Mm -hmm. But-
4: you have so many people and my wife is an example you have so many people that you're a part of their lives and maybe you've been asked you know some some version of this question before but you're a part of their lives in a way that I can't even relate to like yeah maybe your routine is you know while you're at the gym or while you're driving or or you're you know when you get home from school or from work you're watching me but literally you are their gym you are part of people's lifestyle right and so there's a connection there but with that connection is also this expectation you know because people when they get on that bike they're not necessarily some part part escape but part inspiration they're looking to you so you almost have to be like strong for everybody on the other side of that screen and and i saw it at harvard where it's like everybody is like coming to you and gravitating towards you It's like, it's almost like you're not allowed to have a bad day. It's like, you're not allowed to be off your game. You're not allowed to just be, just be Allie. It's like, you gotta be Allie Love. Feel, I mean, from the outside looking in, I imagine that that can get heavy sometimes. So that's not a question. That's a lot of commentary. I'll get straight to the question. It's like, what do you do to help bear that burden of of being Allie Love?
0: Well, keeping it to the game of sports, Billie Jean King, who my mild obsession that I have is her life and her story and what she continues to do around the community um, and being inclusive. Mm -hmm. And is that pressure is a privilege. And so I know that I it comes back to, yes, I'm grateful for where I am. I've worked very hard to be here. There's a combination of not luck, but being blessed and being anointed with my hard work that's coupled into positioning me to be where I am that also lends itself to, yes, pressure is a privilege, and I'm privileged to have this pressure, but it's not without the fact that I do have many bad days, that I do wake up and say, I don't know how I'm going to, right? And in terms of how I handle it, I think that I'm also continuing through conversation. Sincerely, I know I keep saying through conversations like these, very excited. As you can see, you're definitely one of my longest conversations. I'm very grateful for this.
4: CJ's gonna be mad at
0: you. (laughs) Because she wants it to be shorter.
4: Yeah, she's nope. not, it's, she does not like long podcasts. No, no, you're right. I know. No, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. might have to split
0: this in two. Okay. Yeah, but, um, no, no, no. But the reality is that in terms of handling it, dealing with yeah. it,
2: yeah. it's
0: through conversation. It's through understanding how someone else is handling their lives. Cause I too can get caught up in. Michael's life is perfect. He's been on this TV. He's done everything that I wish I could have done or that I wish I could do. And it's always, I romanticize. I I make everything more of a fantasy on the outside. I'm sure they're good. Their life is great. They look like this. They got this and look at, and poor me. And so what I do is one, you know, I do a lot of things, but one of the things I really do is I put myself in positions and I surround myself with people um, to have conversations, to learn about their lives, to ask more questions than I'm being asked And the reason for that is because I think when I learn about people, it 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 gives me a a wider aperture to what life is really like. It gets me out of my own way. It gets me out of my own head. Is
4: that what inspired you to do this podcast? Yeah,
0: I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've been working with the Nets for nine seasons and I've been wanting more in the organization. And so... I created a podcast because I wanted to be a podcaster. This is my podcast. And so what I ended up doing is I pitched it to the Nats. I was like, do you want to do this? I have this really cool idea. And so there's a little bit of a collaboration going on, but for the most part, it, it is this, it's that I selfishly, I mean, I get to spend time with you and people like you and I get insight for free. That otherwise I'd have to pay for. (laughs) Access to information is expensive. (laughs) Honey, if you went to Harvard even for the business school, you already know we know it's expensive. Access to information and to to, and to people is expensive. And so the fact that I get to do this for free at a low to no cost is what I want to afford every other person the access to. And that's why I do this. And that's how I take care of myself. That's how I wear that burden and continue, you know, again, not without bad days, but still that's this is what this is my pick-me-up. This is my feel-good ride. You like take my it. feel-good ride, this is my feel-good ride. So I like it. on that note, CJ is going to be mad, but I think this was a very successful podcast for us, and I'm very proud of us. I really appreciate your time. This was a very in-depth conversation. I hope those of you that are listening, that you really take something away and pa- not only digest it, have that internal dialogue, but more importantly, have an external dialogue, because it's yeah. always that ability to pay it forward, to pass it on, to share information. That's wealth in itself, and it's all through you, Michael Smith. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking a courtside seat with me.
4: I am honored. I am grateful. Um, this has been so much fun and I am not blown a smoke. You're really good at this. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, you know, like you, you have a, you have a gift for making people feel comfortable. Um, and you know, this is a, uh, you're, you're doing just what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm, pr- I'm happy to have done it with you. This is, this has been a thrill. I'm so glad to have met you. I'm so glad to be connected to you. And, uh, yeah, I hope I hope the audience got some out of this as well. Thank you for having oh, me. I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And
0: let's do it again. We're gonna we're gonna Please. we're definitely gonna do it again. Let's sure. not even ask. We're gonna do this
4: sure. again. We'll do, we'll, now, do it, we'll do it shorter. I don't think we <laughs> I, have I, any
0: restrictions. I'm I'm taking yeah. restrictions off. Right. I'm saying we're just, just long, gonna do I'm this. Again.
4: It. I, I I told you I'm a preacher's grandson. This I, is know, cool. I,
0: I. this is great. I am this is great. But either way, all right, awesome. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Cortic Conversation. I'm Allie Love, Michael Smith. What a time!
3: to start listening.